Hello and welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage, where I head up to Tai Lam Chung Marine Police Base near Tunmun to have a look at Hong Kong's last Daifei, or smuggling speedboat, which was captured in February 2000 with a stolen luxury Mercedes-Benz on the back. I'll be talking to retired Sergeant Kelvin Ng, who was a coxswain on board the police fast pursuit boat that intercepted this Daifei to his then-colleague, former commander Les Bird, and to retired senior superintendent Barry Jiang. All three men are part of a group of former officers who want to see the Daifei saved and preserved in Hong Kong. After the capture in 2000, the wooden Daifei was turned into a police vessel and used for training, so new recruits would train by giving chase. Police Vessel 70, as she was known, is about to be decommissioned. She's too slow now to be used for training. Previous daifeis used in this way have either been chopped up, rotted or been eaten by termites. This daifei is the last of an era that began in the late 1980s with steal-to-order syndicates in one year stealing more than 600 Mercedes-Benz luxury cars from the streets of Hong Kong. Two officers were also killed by daifeis that rammed their vessels during that period. Tim Worrell is the president of the Marine Police Headquarters Officers' Mess and I join him at the Tai Lam Chung base as he takes me on a tour of this former Daifei, now known as Police Vessel 70. If you look around us, you can see it's a, a very busy place. We've got seized craft uh, from recent cases and former uh, seized craft as, as in the shape of the Daifei. Uh, you can see a large number of exhibits uh, scattered around the, the compound. Out on the water we have about 58 sea smuggling vessels, or say maybe about 95% of them are smuggling vessels and 5% of vessels that have been seized in connection with illegal immigration. Yeah, these ones are much more modern than the one that we're going to uh, be looking at in a moment. So these are used these days uh, for smuggling frozen meat. But uh, out uh, over there we've got uh, an ex-Daifei, so a former Daifei that was seized in the year 2000 and was actually turned into a police boat and uh, used for chases and, and so that was used as a training vessel after it had been seized. Yes, Anne-Marie, it was seized in uh, February the 12th, 2000 and entered police service in 2001 December. Initially it was used as an operational vessel and then later as a logistical craft and then for getting on for nearly 18 years it was used as a training vessel to train officers of the small boat division in high-speed interception. So would you be on board, so you'd be on, on board a Cougar or something similar and uh, then you would try and intercept that Daifei? I worked in the, uh, the training side for a long time and we would use this as a training craft and I as one of the trainers would, would drive the Daifei and we would use what we have at those days, we had the fast pursuit craft and the Diamond Cougar Tech uh, Sea Stalker, which are the high speed interceptors. We would train officers in the use of those two vessels and this would be the target vessel for them. Now in 2000, when this particular one that became known as Police Vessel 70, but was originally a Daifei and it was picked up with uh, Mercedes Benz in the back and this really harks back to the early 1990s when in 1992, uh, I think it was 1992 or 90, there were about 600 Mercedes-Benz all nicked, all stolen in one year, which was uh, uh, basically because there was such demand for these luxury cars uh, on the mainland. And uh, this in 2000 also was heading out of Hong Kong when it was intercepted. Um, so what happened to the crew? The crew were arrested and served various lengths, uh, various sentences for attempting to export a manifesto cargo. 
Now, this actual die fade that we're going to be having a look at, um, PV70, is about to be decommissioned. It's become too slow for training, so you have a situation now where the uh, police boats are a lot faster. But PV70, that's a little bit nostalgic for you because that, in fact, is the last of the die fade. Yes. This is definitely the last die that we know of in Hong Kong. Uh, they are technically illegal to own. Uh, she has, she, when she was originally made, she was, she's a wooden frame with fiberglass on the outside of that. She wasn't designed to be a long-lasting boat. The fact that she's here 20 years later is quite remarkable. And that's basically because of the way we've maintained her and kept her out of the water when not in use. So you're saying it would be illegal to own one, so I can't use one when I miss the ferry? No, I'm afraid not. I'm afraid not. No. No. And I don't think you'd, I think you'd be better off on the ferry because the fuel that you would use on your ferry trip would uh, be quite phenomenal. Because when we're going to have a look at this thing, um, and I've just actually walked up the ladder and, and had a look in this, in this dife, and uh, it's incredible because, I mean, I've been here since 1993, and I remember at a very long distance seeing a, a couple of these flash across Victoria Harbour. And, uh, and, and there was a real uh, uh, trouble with those. I mean, in, in the late 1980s, early 1990s, there were, there were loads coming, either going with syndicates from Hong Kong or coming in from the mainland. Well, when the Daifei, back in its heyday, when it first came onto the scene, it was a, a real threat to boundary security. And in all frankness, the, the force and the Navy that was here at the time uh, didn't have the capability to, to, to deal with it. Uh, initially, we were managed to seize one or two, turn them into police craft, and then use dieface to chase dieface. Uh, to address the dieface issue, ultimately there was legislative change in amendments made to the import-export ordinance, and we also uh, acquired new high-speed, more capable craft, uh, specifically designed to tackle vessels like dieface. Uh, we had the Darman Kugatek Sea Stalker, uh, which was capable in excess of 60 knots. And with the benefit of that capability, we were able to put an end to the dive phase. Now, when we go and have a look at the dive phase, as you said, it's, it's sort of got a, a wooden in it. These, these boats were not designed to last. They were designed for set purpose, to smuggle cars, and, uh, and also all sorts of other items. You know, there was, uh, I think, pangolins, monitor lizards. It really depends on what the demand is. If there's a demand for something, then it can be smuggled. It, I, in my time, have seen cobras, lobsters, Pangolins, tortoises, hard drives, fur coats, uh, cosmetics, um, all sorts, just about any. So it's whatever is really Whatever's in demand. in demand. And this was also an issue of, on the mainland, perhaps less so now, of um, you know, items that simply just weren't available. And as you had this uh, rising uh, salaries or rising disposable income on the mainland, then so, of course, people wanted luxury goods and would also get them illegally. Um, with the Daife, as you say, it's got a fiberglass out, and the idea was to actually ram other boats. In terms of it being the last Daife, what happens normally when the police decommission a, a boat? Do they just chop it up? A, a high-powered vessel like this, which is probably as very old now, normally they would be destroyed. But we feel that it is very special. It is a window into the past. It is the last Daife. Um, it basically, you could say this represents the efforts of all law enforcement agencies in Hong Kong uh, throughout the 90s and the early 2000s to deal with an issue. And um, sadly, in the course of dealing with that, the force lost two officers who were killed when vessels they were on board were rammed by vessels such as this. Well, let's go and have a look. So here we are. She's uh, just over 11 meters long. She weighs six and a half tons. She's powered by four 250 horsepower Mercury outboard engines. I believe when she was seized, she was powered by five 250 horsepower engines. And where was she intercepted? South of Fan Lao, taking, as you say, taking a, a large vehicle across, heading back to the mainland. So off Lantau? Yes, south, southwest of Fan Lao. Are we allowed on top? Yes, yes, sure. 
So the area that we're standing in now originally would have been a lot more open space and would have gone back a little bit further forward. And this is where the vehicle was when the, at the time that she was intercepted. And also at the time that it was seized, there was basic uh, improvised ballistic protection in the form of steel plating that went around the cockpit to, present, to protect the crew from uh, firearms. And it had a little door that came out here. After it was seized, uh, we took out the configuration of the smugglers and sort of put it into the configuration that we needed. So you have places for people to stand on either side. So when they're doing the high-speed interception, they can move to the side in which they're approaching the target vessel. This is 11 meters long. I mean, it's fantastic yes. to actually for me to actually see inside a Daife at the front here. Of course, you've got this is uh, the police, I presume, uh, rather than the original Daife. Uh, I would call it the steering wheel. And the, uh, this is the telegraph. Is that this is operated by what they call a coxswain and an A coxswain. So because we have four engines and it is possible to go even beyond that, the coxswain operates the, the wheel and these two and then he will, he will tell his assistant coxswain what RPM he wants and whether he wants to go forward or reverse. Now, if that was a Daife, what would have been there before? Same thing, same basic, so it it's have, basic it same configuration. Yeah. But I mean, whether the configuration on the dashboard was the same, I, I can't say, but this is all very much, you know, very, very official. You've got your light switches and you, you've got your flashing light, etc. You've got your compass. Because, um, of course, the Daife's normally, they, they don't have any lights at all. Yeah, they, they prefer to operate unlit by and large. They're trying to avoid detection. And if we go back to the early 90s, you're also going back to the days before GPS and chart plotters. You'll notice there is no chart plotter on this vessel. For us, we rely on what we can see with our own eyes, maybe handheld GPS, and what we may have overwatched by, by radar. But for smugglers, there was very much by uh, local knowledge and familiarization. I have to say, Tim, though, it's, it's quite interesting to be aboard an actual former Daife. And, uh, but there are challenges to saving something like this. As you say, it's made out of wood innards. Yes. I, mean, I know it's got other metal or fiberglass aspects. But, you know, how are you proposing to save this, to, to save it being chopped up and so that we can have this piece of heritage in Hong Kong? There are a number of challenges that come with that. Uh, for example, its sheer size uh, in Hong Kong space is always an issue. We've had some liaison with the Hong Kong Maritime Museum, who we have a very good relationship with, and they, they support the idea for the preservation of PV-70, the last Daife. As you mentioned, the wooden frame and so forth, she really needs to go in an indoor environment. She would have to be converted to her original configuration as a smuggling vessel. So you'd actually put her back into how she was as a Daife? I, I think that that's a more impressive thing to see. If people can see a vessel like this carrying a period car, maybe a Mercedes or whatever, and then you see those engines and you see the steel plates and you see what the threat was, the real threat was, I think that would be a real crowd puller. How many have you got on the back? Is about four? There's four 250 Mercury uh, outboard engines. Uh, when she was seized, she had five. Um, so she's, she's, she's a big boat. When she's loaded up, she can do, she's about six and a half tons. And uh, how fast can she go? Back in the day, I'm not sure, but when, when she was a training vessel, we'd be looking at about 45 knots. But I think now she's a little, that's, she's past her prime. So have you ever been out using her as a training vessel? I was a training officer with the small boat division for a number of years, and we would use this for training exercises, and uh, mainly at night, actually, because that's where most of the activity takes place. So we would do all the various uh, qualification courses for high-speed operators would use this boat for training. I mean, it's still still in training, but it's due to be decommissioned in the near future and be replaced by a purpose-built, purpose-designed training craft. Uh, so she's coming to the end of her days as a police vessel. Now, she's painted grey, but she's actually made out of wood. She has a wooden frame inside, uh, and then it's got fibreglass 
over the top of that. She's not actually, I mean, to put despite her age and how you see her now, she is actually quite fragile and they are prone to, they, they, can, they can break up quite easily and prone to termites. So the fact that she's still around after such hard service is pretty impressive. It's interesting to see one up close and uh, to imagine that uh, when she was seized in 2000, there would have been a, a left-hand drive car in the back. That's right. Well, we keep, we keep her on the stand and out of the water. That's just to preserve her. Um, so she's in... She's been pretty good, Nick, for her age. Her replacement vessel has arrived in Hong Kong. Uh, we are now getting quotes to preserve her and have her reconverted to the configuration she was when she was intercepted originally. For example, when she was intercepted, she had steel plating around the cockpit as a crude form of ballistic protection, and she didn't have the railings you see around the outside or the... the so the, ballistics in case she was shot at? In case she was shot at, yes. Um, so we would like to get her put back to her original configuration. I think you can imagine that with, if she was and she even had a car in the back, she'd make an excellent exhibit. At this time, whilst we're getting the quotes for her, we also need to identify a suitable home. Tim Worrell there. Kelvin M was the coxswain on board a police pursuit craft when this Daifei was intercepted on the 12th of February 2000. He tells me about that night. After 30 minutes chasing and then uh, the boat, eventually uh, stopped it. Yeah. And then three guys on board and uh, one Mercedes-Benz on, on board. At that time, we are trying to uh, return to base, uh, to the Lamsui, uh, South, South Division base for the further documentation, everything. And then at the data, at the, uh, up to tomorrow morning, uh, and then have a press conference. And also, I see the picture at the news. It's a uh, one Daifei arrest, and behind the Daifei is a coup attack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, the, originally there is a helicopter involved. Uh, TFS is not the helicopter, it's a fixed wing. Fixed wing. wings. So that they spotted the Daifei originally? Two way. One is uh, DRSS, and, uh, and uh, DRSS just support the... They can see that some high-speed target is uh, approached to the to the lighter, right. but uh, nobody nobody can recognize. Yeah. But uh, the GFS can do it. They have a thermal image. So that was government flying service. Yeah, GFS. How many? We have a uh, two boat in that that operation involved. Uh, one is uh, Google Tech. Uh, we have a uh, five uh, officer on board. Another boat is a uh, is a uh, Daifei, the PV two fee. It's a second boat. So you used a, a, a Cougar as one of the craft and then um, an actual former Daifei as your other craft yeah. in order to catch the other one? Yeah, 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 yeah. We have uh, uh, two pair boats, uh, uh, one pair boat uh, to doing the same operation. How many smugglers were on this boat? Uh, three. And uh, that's uh, very interesting. As, uh, after, after I arrest the, the smuggler, the coxswain of the, the smuggling boat, he said, I recognize you. You arrest me before. Three uh, guys is on board. One is uh, hurt his head, and then uh, that's a helicopter to to board it. Very rough sea. After after I stop the boat, and then the we, uh, the video is carry on from the from the from the helicopter, and then he see two boats is uh, uh, tried to alongside together, but uh, I fail, and then he carry on to chase. Uh, after. I passed the uh, saucy moon, yes. and then uh, the helicopters carry on to use the sunlight to cover. Cover us. I, I can't see anything. I just know I near the saucy moon, and then I see the target is uh, after he 
going out to the source in moon and turn to 110 degrees. At that moment, I I I, I know that some some happen will be some some something wrong of the of the of the caution because after he's turning, his turning must be going heading to the to the Wangzhou the shore. So at that time, I tell the assistant caution to reduce the speed. And then I see we are very close to the to the to the Tang Island area, and then at the time, the boat is a, uh, a ground and cr- crash to the to the rock. So got the coxswain is uh, hurt, and then he tried to escape to uh, to to go ashore, and then I arrest two guys at the boat, and then the helicopter use a winching to arrest because uh, the helicopter have a intimate uh, member there. And then take take a rest by by them, and then after that I let her see the the coxswain, and then after the this this case the coxswain is said he recognized me yeah in the 2012 uh, February yeah at that light I operation in Wanglan area for for the anti smuggling operation at that time around around nine o'clock I, I, I can't remember at night. Uh, at, at the light time, uh, we have uh, information from the from the radar, from the radar center, and uh, from the also is uh, confirmed by the uh, GFS, the government firing service, and then uh, they saw the the crossroad. This uh, happened in Daiazhou, Daiazhou area. So, so uh, I take place to to there, and then uh, after I I arrive I arrive there, and then. The uh, target already going in the bicycle in the west of the Daiazhou. Uh, the radar cannot to see. He's, see. All, he's going into what shelter? Uh, Daiazhou, the west of the of the. There's a bicycle. Bicycle. There's a the radar cannot report everything. There's a bicycle. There's a behind the the island. Oh, so they know where the non-radar areas yeah, are. Yeah, but uh, the GFS is uh, take place, and then he set the target. He can use the thermal image imager to to see the target is uh, underway with a jet foil from Hong Kong to Macau. Yes, because I've just heard that that sometimes the dive phase actually use the jet foil to confuse on the radar. Yes, yes, they 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 will they will uh, underway with a dive uh, jet foil or the far uh, uh, fast speed. Uh, uh, some ferry, mm. just something like this. So they just hide behind or yeah. adjacent to. E- even, even they they were hiding at, at, at a, a steamship or a container, and then uh, try to uh, use. Uh, there's a cover by the just a, like a barrier to, to cover uh, in the in the radar because he hiding yeah. behind the, the the metal, so the 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 radar cannot do see. So when were you in the Hong Kong Marine Police? What years? Uh, 1982, doing. The Marine Police job, uh, thirty-eight years. Oh wow, thirty-eight years of service. Yes. Do you miss it? Huh? Do you miss it now with being retired? Of course, of course, of you, course. Is that I the I, maybe I have a dreaming? I I I still is uh, in charge in the in the uh, smuggling operation. <laughs> <laughs> Kelvin M there. Former Marine Police Commander Les Bird was in the Marine Police for just over 20 years leading up to the 1997 handover and in the early 1990s headed up the small boat unit.
Here, he describes what the Marine Police here were up against at that time. In the late 1980s, as people in China became more and more wealthy, as the country opened up, the supply of luxury goods, luxury cars, TVs, VCRs, that sort of thing that was in high demand in those days, were in short supply, and taxation was high. The infrastructure to actually import all that sort of stuff wasn't there. So the crime syndicate saw an opportunity here to either import illegally or actually steal things in Hong Kong and, and bring them into China. And the way they decided to do that was by these huge purpose-built speedboats called Daifei's, big flyers, which they would, the factories that were uh, arranged in order to produce these, would, would churn them out, big Daifei hulls, 60 feet long, made of fiberglass. It was a moulded hull, a solid moulded hull, on which they would put five large outboard engines. Now, the hull itself would have a compartment specially designed in the back or in the stern to take something like a luxury car, a Mercedes-Benz, a large one, and with those engines on board and the cargo, either a cargo of television sets or VCRs or a car itself, they could attain speeds of about 90 miles an hour, which were incredibly fast for that age and faster than the marine police boats. So initially we were very, very surprised and unable to do anything about it unless you actually caught them in the act at the pier loading the stuff. So it evolved through the late 80s and it lasted for about four or five years. So at that time I was commanding the SBU, the Marine Police Fast Pursuit Unit. So we were tasked 100%. We were put on this job to try and stop it, which sounds very exciting, but of course it was extremely dangerous. I recall the head of the Marine Police at the time in an interview uh, with the press described the DIFA as a death machine, a military tank with the acceleration of a Ferrari. And I think that was probably quite accurate, actually. Their methods were reckless, uh, obviously. They didn't want to get arrested, and so they would use avoidance tactics to avoid us arresting them, obviously. And the DIFAs themselves were purpose-built not only for transporting things like a car, they also had defence mechanisms built in. For example, the coxswain where the, the driving position would be surrounded by metal sheets so that if there was gunfire exchange, they would be protected. They also reinforced the bow with a metal spike and the coxswain would use that to ram anyone and anything that got in its way. So they came prepared... So these gangs were based in Guangdong, in Shenzhen? Yes, and also in Hong Kong. So the gang would be split, whether they were two gangs working together or not, I'm not sure. But the gang in China would acquire the cargo that was on order. For example, uh, it could be 400 VCRs that possibly were paid for uh, and then illegally exported and illegally imported into China. Or it could be an order for a particular car. In those days, if you had the money in China, you could order a, a make, a brand, even a colour. And in Hong Kong, they, the, the syndicate would simply go out into the streets and steal one. It was very, very slick. Within an hour, they would have stolen a car, driven it to a prearranged loading point where a winch would be waiting for them. They would slip the the winch through the windows, front windows of the car, and lift it up by the roof and, and just winch it straight into the waiting daifei. So that, that in itself took about 60 seconds. And they were off into the night, into the darkness, towards China, through up, up, usually up Tolo Channel, which is 
the favourite loading point because it was so remote and there were lots of little jetties up there that they could use, which was dark too, and there's no lights in Tolo Channel, and Tolo Channel, of course, being a channel, is, is invariably calm water, which is ideal for a speedboat. So the Tolo Channel, and also, of course, it's close proximity to Sha Tin and Taipo, so they could steal from that area and be over in China in a matter of hours. Les Bird there. Barry Zhang is a retired superintendent of Police Operations Marine Region and was responsible for the small boat division. In the old days, starting with smuggling vehicles. So uh, vehicles, including those locally stolen from the street um, and then put on a speedboat shipping back to the mainland. Later on, that trend slightly evolved to those uh, imported into Hong Kong as a, a left-hand drive vehicles. And then those vehicles were, for whatever reason, being stolen back to mainland, either on board a uh, cargo vessels in bulk or in container by containerization yeah. that each container may be carried, may be able to carry or conceal four vehicles each time. So uh, for those uh, midship operation cargo vessels, they can carry 10 to 20 containers. That means quite a number of those uh, left-hand drive vehicles are smuggled from Hong Kong. Following that, the mainland become one of the major production uh, manufacturer of vehicles, then it become a first tier of vehicle parks, ships, yeah. some here. other from here, from uh, Hong Kong. Some of the uh, uh, advanced ships, including CPU, uh, computer parks, luxury electrical items, were in uh, the uh, control list. That means it will not be able to get it in the mainland market. Yes. So it become uh, Hong Kong become a, 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 a undergr uh, underground market, black market for all those uh, uh, luxury items. Further on, when the mainland become uh, people's affordable to uh, luxury items, then uh, become uh, expensive wine, yes. lobster, water monitor, lister. It become a uh, item uh, to be ordered. So uh, whenever they they need, then it will become a, a trend. Yeah, so how did, so, I mean, I'm just fascinated by that. I mean, how did people order their stuff? Mm -hmm. How would you even set about that? I'd like a such and such. Mm. Uh, that is even more complicated about smuggling, uh, smuggler behavior. Normally, the market-oriented uh, trend will become one of the companies set up in the mainland or maybe in Samjan. Then they start uh, order items or uh, purchase, uh, place orders mm -hmm. on all those they need. Then the, order, the, the items or the cargoes or whatever, even computer chips that will be sent to a free port. The ideal place is Hong Kong or Macau. <laughs> This actual, I mean, what we're looking at today, as you say, is, is the end of an era. Um, and that era was particularly the late 1980s, 1990s. But the small boat unit was set up when? small boat unit was set up in October 1979. And that was in response to mass IIA influx from the mainland uh, in the Deep Bay area. 
Uh, this 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 launch, uh, this PV came in, which was season 2000. The dye phase came in in the 1990s, uh, and as a response to that, the government formed the Anti-Smuggling Task Force, which included different government departments in the Royal Navy at the time, and uh, they came under the lead of the police force, and uh, they worked in partnership with a small boat unit. In the early 2000s, a small boat unit uh, was amalgamated with the ASTF, which the non-police components were disbanded, and the ASTF and SBU became the small boat division, which still exists today. Right. And uh, so, but largely in the early years, is chasing after vessels like that? Yes. My thanks to Tim Worrell, Kelvin M, Barry Jang and Les Bird, talking there on the Daifei era and their hope to save Hong Kong's last remaining Daifei. Thanks for listening and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage.